And we're back. Welcome back to Periphery Season 2. Hello, folks. I've missed you all. It's good to be back. Yeah, I missed you too. <laughs> well, we've got a lot of we got a lot of exciting stuff ahead, don't we? Uh, season one's done, uh, and we did some reflections before, so and we've done quite a few interviews already. Um, what what's what are you all looking forward to? What's what what is to come with the periphery second season? Um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's certainly true that well, to the from the audience's perspective, we've taken a bit of a hiatus. The periphery machine never really stopped. <laughs> Uh, we've been uh, constantly trying to uh, gather materials and learn more and prepare for the second season. We're also trying to think, how does this season progress from what we achieved in the last season? In the last season, we talked a lot about an atlas. It was kind of a survey of technology and society. I think that we still have a lot to learn, but I think that right now we have a lot to apply. We have a lot of uh, contemporary, urgent issues, issues we see in the news, issues that maybe don't get enough attention, but issues that are very much present and affecting people's lives right now. And we have a lot of tools. Uh, in the beginning, we set out to create this toolbox. Uh, we're building these tools. They could be refined, but it's time to start applying them to the issues that we see right in front of our eyes. And I'm really looking forward to doing that in this season as well. A lot, a lot has definitely changed since we last recorded. Um, one important thing that has changed is actually that I've finally been able to take uh, the data privacy course. <laughs> that initially inspired all my co-hosts to do this podcast. Um, so now, now that I've really gathered this new expertise, um, I'm hoping to bring to bear some of that knowledge to our newest, our newest content. I think for me, I want to continue something that we did in the first season, which is just be really transparent about our level of like knowing and not knowing on <clears throat> in this space. Like I think that it's, it's especially within Silicon Valley, there's sort of this trap of like pretending that, you know, things and using certain buzzwords to like, pr like pretend like you are smarter than everybody else in the room, or at least we as smart as everybody in the room. We intimate experience with that. Other than we like these days. Yeah. <laughs> like very Elizabeth Holmes. That's an online <laughs> conversation. Um, but like, I want to continue to not do that. I want to, I want to continue to be like, a launch pad for people that like us are really here because they're interested in it, not because they're already experts in it. So I just want to keep that, keep that going. Uh, yeah, I mean, I totally agree, especially because I think the closer we all get to experts, we realize the experts are just those who have experience and not being an expert time, time again, because, you know, we're at such an inflection point in my mind. Um, you know, if you're looking at policy papers, white pages, they're calling that what we're entering right now is the fourth industrial revolution with uh, all this emerging technology. And we're going to hear a lot about this season for sure is artificial intelligence, data, of course, uh, intellectual property, and all these emerging technologies that are fundamentally changing how our societies work, how we even think about, you know, sovereignty, um, how we think about human dignity. And you know, what I want to be at the fore of this season as well is the idea of being a first mover and how important that is in this emergent time. You know, it's incredibly easy to, or no, it's incredibly hard to walk back a status quo. You know, it becomes normal. It becomes what everyone is accustomed to. Um, and it takes a ton more work to roll back and organize against something that has been agreed upon. And in these times where 
AI policies are being considered, where data protection policies are being considered, where um, the nature of intellectual property is, the uh, all these new ideas that are being challenged and also ushered in with all this innovation. It is so important to have literally everyone, as many people as possible, <laughs> discussing and giving their opinions on these issues and putting the kitchen sink in. And, you know, of course, we're going to do our best to bring in as many perspectives as we can. But more importantly, we hope that all of you listening uh, bring these conversations to your communities and your circles and find all the opportunities you can to have your perspective and voices heard because, you know, everyone everyone in the door, everyone here on the edge of the periphery uh, <laughs> making the policies and making the technology, they are so thirsty for everything everyone has to say. Um, but it's incredibly... It's hard, but not impossible to tap into. Um, so I, I just want the first mover advantage to be on everyone's mind every time uh, that we're, you know, grappling with all these issues that no one really knows <laughs> how they'll play out. I, I think I totally agree with that. I think there's this local democratic ethos that this podcast has always had. Uh, we don't like necessarily relying on top-down uh, heuristics for what is true or what is the best strategy. And, you know, I think underlying the language of uh, fourth industrial revolution, others call it, I've, you know, like the second machine age. But either way, this just describes uh, the fact that we're going through a major paradigm shift right now. And when it comes to issues of tech and law, uh, tech and policy, tech and society, um, it is the wild west. There is, uh, you know, really um, a lot of opportunity and, frankly, a lot of risks and, 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 and threats, which is why at these kinds of, you know, disjunctures in, in, in history, uh, especially caused by accelerating technology. I mean, for example, the application of crypto to current geopolitical tensions is just one mm -hmm. uh, aspect of uh, huge unpredictability, um, is that we needed to pool as much local knowledge as we can. And we need to get as many people involved because the things that we do now uh, are very heavy. They will impact what we do in the future. Nothing that we can do that we talk about here on this podcast is is discreet or a one-off because we're we're laying down precedent. That's what every single conversation that we have, where we bring in a new person, uh, is doing. And so, I think that was one of the major lessons of of season one, which is we need to you know there, we live in a very special moment, and in this present moment. Uh, Creativity is probably your most powerful, our most powerful asset. Mm -hmm. And I think we're bringing in we're bringing in guests that are really on the on the front lines. And I don't want to disclose too much at this moment because um, that's still up up and coming. But um, but I'm very excited because I think we're bringing in guests who are who are very much on the front lines and and working on these issues um, day by day. And maybe some of them aren't necessarily names that you would immediately recognize. But that doesn't mean that those people don't have a really interesting perspective. I mean, one thing one thing that struck me when I was taking the data privacy class um, was that people are still really like we're still kind of desperately trying to use old narratives or old concepts, uh, whether they be inherited from constitutional law or from some other source to try to explain these technologies and how they apply to us today. But I think we can only go so far with drawing those analogies to the past. And I think what's important is that we talk to people who are kind of actively engaging with those technologies every day and 
deriving a new set of concepts and a new almost language to talk about these issues. And so I think we can only really get that if we're, well, if we're reaching out to the periphery and not just people, not just the experts that um, everyone else is talking to, because at that point it can kind of become an echo chamber. And so I think one thing that we have really set out to do this um, this season, even more perhaps than we did last season, is to actually just talk to just talk to really anyone because it really Definitely. it astounds it, it, it can be astounding how how interesting of a conversation you can have with someone who might not necessarily be the first name that you would turn to um, on any given subject. nonetheless as novel and as salient um of course yeah old ideas are um in 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 tech they're they're iron cages you know they uh they will constrain you and prevent you from fully exploiting the potential and also mitigating the harms because these harms are entirely unique um i mean i think in many ways this is this has been a, a a dialogue or a process of creating these new terms new vocabulary for um this whole century so far but uh, I think that this will be a forever task as technology continues to change. We're going to have to continue to think about ourselves and our relationships in new ways as well. So what is, what is one issue for each of you that you feel really strongly about right now and that you think we absolutely have to address this season or we will have failed? <laughs> <laughs> you first, Carl. Now we're getting, now we're getting interviewed. I mean, <laughs> I was actually, yeah, I mean... I thought of the question before I thought of the answer, but I think that's how we work here. (laughs) One thing, just to give a little bit of a preview or or one thing that I think um, we discussed later in later in the season um, relating to blockchain and smart contracts is just the potential of that technology to bring people or to solve collective action problems and to kind of mobilize and incentivize people in a completely new way. I hadn't really thought about it in that regard. And I mean, just if we're thinking about climate change, yeah, climate change especially, but but other issues as well, just how much of a collective action problem that is, where you have individual actors, you have corporate actors, you have state actors, and it can just be really complicated getting all of those incentives aligned. And I think a conversation we have later in this uh, in this in in this season, although it doesn't provide all the answers, I think it provides a really interesting glimpse into how we can tackle just such a massive problem. Mm. All right, now Next. now now everyone else. <laughs> um, I can go. <laughs> I. I mean, there's so much left to say about privacy from my perspective. And I I would really like to do a bit more on like modern surveillance, just forms of modern surveillance, because we sort of talked about the legal landscape, but like there are emerging threats. And I think it would be a really insight, like a really helpful conversation if the four of us sort of talk through, first of all, like what those modern surveillance tools are and also just like what we think about them based on like other legal regimes we're familiar with, or even just like theories of agency or freedom that we adhere to, like, you know, like, how do we feel about it? Because I think that I have come to my, um, 
opinions about like what privacy means to me and what privacy means to us based on like other people doing that so i'd like to be that lighthouse we shouldn't forget our roots in privacy we we have to we have to revisit privacy it's yeah. that's really our, bread and our core value yeah i i think um uh, for me um i mean there are so many different issues that i think we would be you know this is the right forum to tackle um but actually i just want to bring up the idea that uh, one of our guests, I mean, one of, our, one of the members of our audience brought up. Um, and I, I think that we'll talk more about his contributions and his ideas uh, later on. Um, but one thing that was very interesting for us last season was uh, the relationship between artificial intelligence uh, applications and systems um, and issues of just political economy, particularly antitrust, you know, how much uh, that, uh, you know, antitrust in tech is concentrating power. But we never really kind of merged totally those conversations together. Uh, and I think there's a lot of ways you can do that. But one way, which was brought up by uh, this member of our audience, was um, uh, that AI, uh, AI exploits the individual efforts of people, their creative and their um, intellectual endeavors, the kind of works that they create. They, under um, copyright law, they essentially get a lot of rights around around this, a, a monopoly in certain ways to the distribution and use of, of their creative works. Yet, as we all know, AI is scraping the internet every single day or the systems that create AI uh, to create training data sets uh, that allow uh, certain AI systems to do pretty amazing things, create entire poems, finish your essays, um, have conversations. Make music. Yeah, you know, make, make listen to AI made music now. That's right. Uh, there's, a, there's a system called Jukebox that makes, that makes its own music and I actually thought they were pretty good. And um, and so that kind of interesting question, though, of when we learn, when we like, for example, if I'm a comp trying to compose music, I'm listening to music to inspire me to learn how music works. That is essentially what Jukebox is doing. And um, and, and yet there are a lot of implications there of when I'm creating work, I may expect another human to learn it. But do I want a machine, particularly a machine run by uh, Google or Meta? To uh, to learn from it and then potentially even compete or replace me on the market. This is a very this is a really interesting issue because this is about incentivizing our own creativity and what it's for, um, and how much we value the fact of human uh, creativity or how much we just enjoy these things uh, as as products. And so that kind of question of exploitation it feels like the other side of um, you know antitrust and concentration issues where we all have our own kind of uh, monopolies on our own creative endeavors. But how long can they last? And part of that is also IP, right? I mean, we haven't really talked about IP much. And I think um, now in season two, I think we could give give IP a try as well. Um, in, IP being in, intellectual property for yeah, those acronym, acronym that's us. Intellectual <laughs> property. I mean, August currently is in the Jules Guard intellectual property. Or, or wait, no, you just finished it, right? I guess technically when this comes out, I'm in it, you know. We always, <laughs> we always have. The two. Yeah, I'll, I'll be still doing it. Always one periphery member at, in the Jules Guard IP clinic and always one um, one periphery member in the Center for AI and Digital <laughs> Policy. You know, where we always have to have some person in those institutions. Yeah, I mean, and always we're somebody, and always somebody in back. a privacy class. And exactly. He, right. We, we always have all bases covered. You know, we are, we're everywhere. 
I think for me, it's kind of related to actually all of yours. And I think when we have Nora on, it'll really become more apparent. But I think keeping an eye, you know, as I like to say, this is really a social society and culture podcast. This guy's is a tech one. And I think keeping an eye on authoritarianism, fundamental rights and civil rights, as we really discuss this, like what is the real life impact that these discussions actually have on, you know, human dignity, human flourishing, human thought, um, that really intersects with all of these, with data and surveillance, with intellectual property, with creativity, with um, with all these issues that, with, you know, the idea that we can solve collective action problems that, you know, enable people to make these changes to climate change. You know, these, I think, have really broad... Change the climate change. Se- <laughs> really broad and serious, um, you know relationships to whether or not we live in a flourishing and a really productive democracy or whether we devolve into something else that might not be so um, fantastic. So, you know, that's that's been something on my mind a lot. August, you mentioned a listener sent in, uh, I, I believe it's pronounced AVA, AVA, I'm so sorry, please correct us. Um, he, he sent us this wonderful clip discussing his concerns and what he's excited about. And we will actually use that as we set up that episode where we start getting into more IP issues. And, you know, I want to use this opportunity to both thank AVA and also all of our patrons that came and joined us, the conversation of season one that are literally allowing us to do season two, Brendan Bradley, Paul, Derek, Judith, John. Thank you all for your so much of your support. Um, and on that note, if you have an idea, a concern, and you want to frame an episode for us that you think we should dive in, we are super encouraging you all to send us an email at or an audio file at the peripheriepodcast at gmail.com. Um, we really want to hear from you. We really want to use your input and your perspective and put you all at the fore of these conversations that we um, are just really, really feel really lucky to host and um, have you listen and chime in on. So um, if there's nothing else to say... I think. Hey, let's uh, let's launch we'll see the you periphery. Next week. <laughs> and of course, subscribe to our Patreon, give us a rating and review, and uh, tell a friend. Maybe, hopefully, please. We're looking forward to uh, continuing this journey into the heart of technology and power. I think that this is going to be a great season.